When you sign up for BP Me Rewards, you can get five cents off every gallon of gas every time at BP or Amico stations. That means more savings and more whatever you'd like to use your savings on. So treat yourself. It's on us. Visit bp.com slash save to learn more. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio To the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the X Zone. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. On the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, Simul Radio, Simul TV, and iHeart Radio. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And if you would like to send me an email, www, nope, that's the website, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. Wow, my guest this hour is a good friend of the Exxon Nick Redfern is his name, and we're going to be talking to Nick about his 2017 book called Shapeshifters. Now, Nick works uh, full-time as a writer, lecturer, and journalist. He writes about a wide range of unsolved mysteries, including Bigfoot, UFOs, the Loch Ness Monster, alien encounters, and government conspiracies. Nick has written 33 books, including Men in Black, The Zombie Book, for Nobody's Eyes Only, Final Events, Secret History, Monster Files, The World's Weirdest Places, The Pyramids and the Pentagon, and Chupacabras, Road Trip. Uh, he writes for a MUFON UFO journal and Mysterious Universe. Nick has appeared on numerous television shows, including Fox News, The History Channel's Ancient Aliens, Monster Quest, and UFO Hunters, VH1's Legend Hunters, National Geographic Channel's The Truth About the UFOs and Paranormal, BBC's Out of This World, MSNBC's Countdown, and Sci-Fi Channel's Proof Positive. His website is www.nickredfern14.blogspot.com. And Nick, always a great pleasure talking to you. Welcome back to the X-Zone. Well, thanks a lot, Rob. Busy as usual, I see. Um, tell me Maybe about... Out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> tell me about the theme of your 2017 book, Shapeshifters. Well, basically, it's a study of, uh, throughout history, folklore, mythology, um, and, and the, the present day, uh, where people have reported seeing strange creatures which reportedly can alter their form. In, in essence, you know, we're, we're talking about multiple different types of entities, but which the most famous one, of course, would be, um, you know, the legends of werewolves, lycanthropy, um, right. uh, from, from man to beast and vice versa. Right. And most people, when you think of shape-shifting, that's what people think of. And when I wrote the book, I didn't, and the publisher expressed interest in it, or in, in expressed interest in me writing it, I said, well, you know, I don't want to write just another mm -hmm. werewolf book because there are dozens if not hundreds of them out there so they said well you know what could you do a bit different and i said well how about we just do a couple of chapters on werewolves and then have the rest of the book um 
talking about the, the far less well-known but no less intriguing stories of other kinds of shape-shifting, which would probably be more interest to people than just going over the same old things about silver bullets and a full moon and all sure. that kind of thing, you know. The, the good old tried and true. So how did you yeah. approach this, and what new uh, shapeshifters have you introduced to your readers around the world? Well, I mean... Obviously, like most books, you know, I like to do a lot of research, yeah. particularly going back a long time, to demonstrate how, you know, old some of these traditions are. You know, we're talking not just centuries, but mm -hmm. thousands of years ago, you know, you can find stories of shape-shifting creatures. And, and I wanted to get this across to people, that it's not just sort of like a a Hollywood fad or something with werewolves, you know, going back a couple of hundred years in Eastern Europe. It, it's sort of far more widespread worldwide and embracing many different cultures. And so it was really a case of, you know, um, looking at it from the historical angle, but also wanting to give the reader a lot of new material. For example, there are a lot of really strange stories where people claim to have seen things like Bigfoot, um, change into other forms. Mm -hmm. There are cases in the UK where we have these sightings of what are known as alien big cats. They're like huge black cats the size of mountain lions, which should not exist in the UK. But there have been some really weird reports where people have said they've seen these large black cats sort of rise up onto their back legs, um, almost in like a humanoid form. So these cases are sort of at the real sort of the margins, if you like, of, of high strangeness. And um, because a lot of these kind of angles hadn't been covered before, I thought it was the perfect time, you know, to, to demonstrate the, the sheer weirdness of a lot, a lot of these so-called um, shapeshifters. Nick, when was the first time in recorded history when shapeshifters actually appeared? Well, I mean, that that's a good question. I mean, what I can tell you for sure, there's yeah. actually one case... Um, from the north of England I investigated, from um, a little town in the north of England, or little village, called Flixton. And it had a, a tradition linked to it known as the Flixton Werewolf. Now, this is actually one of the cases, the early cases of sort of lycanthropy, as it's known, um, or, you know, the, the issue of man turning into wolf and vice versa. Now, this particular case, as I said, involved this um, little village, Flixton, and the locals have this tradition which still exists today. They still talk about it. It's sort of um, in, uh, chronicled in some of the ancient manuscripts going back more than a thousand years ago, where people had seen this large animal. Imagine something like a wolf, yes. but perhaps almost twice the size of a regular wolf, wow. which had the ability to walk on four limbs and two. And that when it changed from two limbs to four, and vice versa, it was as if the limbs themselves would alter. You know, it was like they would morph uh, to allow them to stand up or to, to run like a, like a dog. Um, and it was described as having like a, a muzzle, pointed ears. But the face was eerily human-like. The eyes looked very human. They didn't look animalistic. And there were, there were rumors that supposedly it had been conjured up from some other realm via a, a local sinister magician, um, which I guess today, you know, you would call it sort of having been conjured by a portal or, you know, a different dimension, that's kind of, that kind of thing. That's how the story began. And so that's one of the... Uh, I can't say it's the first, but it right. isn't, because there are... Uh, you can find, for example, you know, in, in ancient Egypt, you look at, like, the, um, you know, the, the god Anubis, you know, which is like an upright humanoid figure, but with, like, a, a jackal or, um, you know, a wolf's head. And, and you can find these images, you know, throughout ancient culture, going back to sort of Egyptian times, ancient Babylonia, things like that. So, it, as I said, it's hard to know when the first case was, but we can definitely push the barriers back, you know, thousands of years for sure. Nick, is there any one culture where shapeshifters are more prevalent than any other culture when you did your research? Well, certainly one of the, the primary areas is Native American law, mm -hmm. 
where they have a great deal of traditions of um, shape-shifting, one particularly in relation to the coyote, which is perceived by Native American tribes and people um, as being sort of a definitive trickster. In other words, the, the trickster phenomenon, it's sort of like a magical creature which manipulates people, sometimes for its own kind of strange sense of humour, other times to... To essentially sort of um, like educate people, or have them have have them think of different things and different paradigms, and mm. um, and put them on different pathways, and it sort of manipulates um, you know people's minds. But the the trickster in the form of the coyote can supposedly take on the form of multiple animals, like <coughs> excuse me, uh, like eagles, wolves, the coyote fish and so on. Now, if you look at some of these stories, they, they clearly are, you know, sort of folkloric sure. in some respects. But very often, you know, at the, at the heart of these stories, there's some degree of reality. And there are some cases where people claim to have seen animals that superficially look a bit like coyotes, but they're more sort of wolf-like. <laughs> and, and again, people have seen these morph into sort of more of a human-like form. Um, so, you know, it's possible that some of these traditions of the coyote mm -hmm. could actually have been some sort of um, distortion of, of a real supernatural experience, um, but which was sort of, um, you know, over time became moulded around um, the whole issue of, of the coyote. But certainly, you know, you, you can find a lot of stories like this in Native American legend, for example, the old stories of the Thunderbirds, these giant, massive birds, eagle-like birds that are, uh, again, very prevalent uh, in Native American lore. I talk about those in the book because there are some cases where people claim to have seen these huge winged bird-like animals transform into things like the Mothman, like a more of a flying humanoid. All right, Nick, we're going, to have to, we're going to have to take our break. Please stand by. Okay. Exxon Nation, Nick Redford is our special guest. And if you'd like to find out more about Nick, the great books he's written, and uh, all the information that we'll be talking about here on the X-Zone, as well as the uh, other topics that Nick is known for around the world, his website is nickredford14.blogspot.com. And for all of you who keep sending me the, the, uh, the recipes for the summer cough and cold medicine, thank you so much. We'll talk a few bit about those when we come back. Don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simo TV. Simo TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, sci-fi, and horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at SimulTV.com. Do it today.
We live in rapidly shifting times of extreme volatility and uncertainty. Such profound change brings a unique opportunity for the evolution of consciousness. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, host of Mission Evolution Radio Show, a program that explores the latest scientific developments and deepening spiritual truths supporting human evolution. Join me on xzbn.net, where I interview leading experts in science, physics, medicine, spirituality, and more. By applying divergent viewpoints to leading-edge topics, we uncover expansive and evolutionary truth to assist you on your path to enlightenment. More information and past episodes are available at missionevolution.org. Before we get back to our special guest this hour, Nick Redfern, I must thank each and every one of you who over the past three or four days now have sent me in get well recipes or home concoctions for this summer cold that I have been battling. And I would just like to let you know that uh, Craig did his diligent homework today and and we've received 6,830 recipes, cures, elixirs, and all the recipes on how to make them from you, the XO Nation around the world. And for that, I thank you. But we did find one common denominator. In 4,186 of these recipes were vast amounts of alcohol. Hmm. So um, I will take your advice after the show and I will go home at around 2 o'clock in the morning and I'll sit down and I will have my one of my elixirs that you folks so kindly have uh, sent me the recipes for. Also, the X Chronicles newspaper for June and July was released uh, earlier this week. And so far, in a matter of days, the newspaper has been downloaded or read online 7,950, I'm sorry, have been written, downloaded or read in 7,958 centers around the world. Not too shabby. Thank you, Exxon Nation, for making all of this possible. Nick Redfern is our guest. His website is nickredfern14.blogspot.com. 33 books under your belt, my friend. Uh, are you going for the record that was held? Oh, who held it? Uh, uh, Brad Steiger or, or Kevin Randall? Oh, I keep losing well, track I, with um, you guys. Well, actually, it's in the it's in the 40s now, but I, I mean, I'll never catch up with um Brad, you know, who unfortunately passed yes. away just a few weeks ago. But uh, Brad was close to 200, My and I gosh. think Kevin's sort of close to 100. But, uh, you know, my goal is not, you know, to sort of get the most books out there. I just write about what I run, want to write about, you yeah. know. And um, sometimes I'll do two or three a year. Sometimes it might be just one a year. So, um, you know, I don't feel I'm in any, any need to sort of, you know, just... sure. Go no. for a particular figure. I, you know, if I want to keep writing, I'll keep writing. Yeah. If I feel I've exhausted all the things I want to write about, I'll, I'll do something else. You know. Why I mentioned that, Nick, the last time you were on um, a different perspective with Kevin Randall that I was oh, producing yeah. for you guys. You know, Kevin brought this up, and it was quite interesting. And, and yes, the we are we were sorry to hear about the passing of Brad Steiger, a good yeah, friend of the Exxon. Yeah. In fact, in this edition of the X Chronicles newspaper at xchroniclesnewspaper.com, we have Kevin's entire um, tribute to uh, Brad Steiger. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about shape-shifting, my friend. So we've got the North American um, natives who apparently are the richest culture with these shapeshifters. Why why is that, Nick? Is there any is there any sociological reason for this? Um, I don't know if there's a sociological reason, but I mean certainly, you know, Native American lore is is rich with legends and fables and mm-hmm. folklore and historical accounts of uh, particularly, you know, related to nature with animals and, you know, the sort of the, the magical um, side of animals and um, you know this this morphing in, mm-hmm. into different forms and uh, and things like that you know they're sort of rife throughout Native American law 
And, you know, they, these stories are treated very seriously, you know, and um, sacred within the, you know, within the tribes and passed down over the over the centuries. And certainly, as I said before, the, the break, although there are a lot of accounts of different shapeshifters within Native American law, certainly the, the coyote is the, the definitive one, which is, is sort of perceived as like, um, like a, a, a teacher, you know, or a trickster, a manipulator, but usually supposedly done to make people think about things um, and, and open them up, if you like, to different um, paradigms and ideas and thought processes. Now, we're not talking about, it's important to note, we're not talking about just regular coyotes. The theory is that there is a, like a, almost like a supernatural equivalent of the regular coyote in the same way that you know when people talk about werewolves they're not talking about just normal wolves changing they're That's talking right. about something that is perceived to be similar to the the regular version if you like of the animal nick before the break you were also talking about uh the thunderbirds and you brought in uh, the mothman well, yeah, I mean, I've actually got an entire chapter on Mothman in the Shapeshifters book, and a lot of people, you know, were surprised at, as to why I did that, and I'll explain why I did. Now, for people who don't know the story, basically, to summarise it, from October 66 to December 67, in the small town, or small city, I should say, of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, um, there were sightings in that 14-month period uh, of sightings of this creature that became known as the Mothman. And everything kind of culminated in December 67 when Point Pleasant's Silver Bridge, as it was called, collapsed into the Ohio River, uh, drowning dozens of people in the process. And various UFO researchers like John Keel, uh, who wrote the book The Mothman Prophecies, and a lot of people around town suspected that the presence of the Mothman was somehow connected with the collapse of the bridge and the deaths of all these people in town. And the two overriding theories are that Mothman either <coughs> excuse me, caused the events to occur and caused the deaths, or that it was more of like a warning entity rather than something that provoked and caused it. Now, what's particularly intriguing is that although primarily uh, the Mothman is described as like a flying humanoid with these large hmm. wings. Kind of, if you've seen the um, Jeepers Creepers movies, uh, that's how people, a lot of the people describe Mothman, like almost like a gargoyle-type character. In other words, like a humanoid with these large, big wings and these glowing, uh, fiery red eyes. But what's interesting, not everybody described Moth like, Mothman like that. Some of them described it as being like a large, like a giant bat. I mean, literally just like a huge bat with a wingspan span of about 10 to 12 feet. Other people, interestingly enough, actually described it like the Native American Thunderbird that we just discussed. And other people um, described it as actually looking not dissimilar to the classic pterodactyls from the Jurassic era. Wow. So, in other words, it would be far too much of a stretch to believe that there was sort of more than one type of flying entity in and around Point Pleasant. It would be even more unlikely that there were two of them, two different kinds. But we've got no less than four different descriptions of flying things in and around Point Pleasant. So I talk in the book about this possibility that the fact that so many people around town, some are reporting a flying humanoid, some like a thunderbird, some like a pterodactyl, some like a giant bat, and they were all absolutely sure what they, sh what they saw. This, for me at least, got, uh, takes things down this pathway where maybe the Mothman is a shapeshifter and is able to take on the forms of, of different uh, flying beasts, if you like. Was there a subsequent investigation into the Mothman as to his identity? And, and if so, Nick, uh, to the best of your knowledge, what was the outcome? Well, that very much depends on who you ask. Um, the, the problem is, in terms of investigating it, is that although there have been a handful of reports since 67, mm -hmm. it really did just suddenly come to a 
complete stop for the most part when the bridge collapsed and you know dozens of people were killed so we're very much sort of left just being able to investigate sort of now what is 51 years old you know a mystery that goes back 51 years and which hasn't really evolved to any great degree since then although there have been a handful of reports since um so we're very much sort of caught up in like a a time you know loop kind of thing where we're not able to get past 67 um but there's no doubt from the witness testimony that people were seeing something i mean the, the local police you know they had uh, countless reports official files official police reports um you know where locals had seen the mothman and um and they were actually treated very seriously to the point where you know they were archived by by the point pleasant police so you know the whole thing in no way at all was um was dismissed or written off as hoaxing it was treated seriously because because it brings such a small place right you know i think the population today is only about five thousand everybody kind of knew everybody else and they respected each other and um so it was taken very seriously and it's um you know it's one of those stranger aspects of west virginia history um but again it, it demonstrates this angle that of one creature that seemed to be able to take on quite literally sort of multiple forms. All right, Nick, stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exo Nation, Nick Redford is our special guest. His website is nickredford14.blogspot.com. Also in this edition of the X Chronicles newspaper, not only do we have that wonderful article written about Brad Steiger by our good friend and fellow show host here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Kevin Randall. But we've also said goodbye to another good friend that I had the pleasure of working for with many uh, for many years on the Talkstar Radio Network, legendary radio show host um, Chuck Harder also passed away, so we have a tribute to Chuck in the X Chronicles as well. No, we didn't forget about UFOs, ghosts, things that go bump in the night. They're all available with our compliments at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. And uh, Nick Redford and I return talking about shapeshifters and much more. Don't go away. From our broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. AVS Media. You have heard of the Exxon? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. 
Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, After the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. That'd make a pretty good uh, police siren, wouldn't it, Craig? Woo, woo, woo. Yeah. Kind of get your attention instead of the usual. Mind you, Craig, you'd know about police sirens a lot more than I would. <laughs> I don't think there's a week that goes by the guy doesn't get stopped for something. Ah, <laughs> uh, Nick Redfern's my special guest, Nick Redfern for tn.blogspot.com. All right, Nick, we've talked about uh, Native American. Um, you know, shape-shifting, we've talked about the origin of shape-shifting, shape-shifting in Egypt. We talked about the Mothman prophecy and the connection to shape-shifting there. But I have to ask you, my good friend, the connection to shape-shifting and the Loch Ness Monster. This one's got me a little baffled, Nick. Well, it baffles a lot of people. Um, a lot of people don't necessarily know the through no fault of their own, you know, just don't know the history of the Loch Ness Monsters. Now... I, I guess the popular theory, that, and certainly the, the one that the Scottish Tourist Board like to promote, is the idea that they're surviving plesiosaurs, which yeah. were marine reptiles that existed at the same time as the dinosaurs, sort of 65 million years ago, and they became extinct. Um, but there are a lot of reasons as to why the, the plesiosaur theory actually doesn't really, isn't really valid enough. Um, you know, there are a lot of issues that are problematic, but what's particularly interesting is that if you look at the old Scottish traditions around Loch Ness, going back centuries before the term Loch Ness Monster was created, that, that term was not created until 1933, when there was a sudden spate of sightings. Um, now, there'd been a lot of reports before that, but back then... Um, the, until 1933, there was actually not like a, a major road past Loch Ness, so it was almost impossible to access the loch. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. But uh, prior to that, it was a very isolated area, and the locals, the villagers who lived near Loch Ness, were talking about these creatures going back to sort of the 1600s, the 1500s. But back then, they called them Kelpies. And a Kelpie is a Scottish term which basically translates as water horse and they describe these hmm. things as looking um or actually could have been able to take on different forms one of the forms that supposedly these kelpies or loch ness monsters could turn into was like a large black horse um they also could reportedly like turn into the form of like a beautiful woman with long black hair and both of them the horse and the woman would sort of stand on the edges, the fringes of Loch Ness, and sort of hypnotize the person and and then beckon them towards the water, and then they would suddenly grab them and take them under the water and supposedly steal their soul. That, that was the legend. Hmm. But what's particularly interesting is that if you look at a lot of the stories of the Loch Ness Monster today, there are a lot of weird paranormal aspects to them where a lot of people describe very different things. Now... People think of the Loch Ness Monster, they think of a creature with like a humpback and a long neck. Yes. Now, there are a lot of reports like that, but there are other cases where people have described seeing something that looked like a giant frog 
Others have described as looking like a huge salamander or a lizard, uh, an amphibian thing like that. Um, other people have described something that um, had tusks. Now, another, another, other people described as looking like a giant worm-type creature. Now, clearly, again, like with Mothman, there's no way there could be six or seven different types of weird creatures all living in Loch Ness. It's just not possible. Um, but we do have multiple descriptions of different things which clearly look very different. So it's entirely possible, as I mentioned in the book, that the Loch Ness monsters today, with all these different forms and shapes, could well be identical to the Kelpies of four or five hundred years ago, which also could, could take on multiple forms from monsters to black horses to beautiful women uh, and so on. You know, and so we are, again, it's it's sort of like truth is stranger than fiction. That is so true. You know, the, this this angle of the of the Loch Ness monsters not being relic populations from previous eras but something that is sort of supernaturally, definitively weird, you know. In all of these sightings, uh, when you talk about Kelty, it reminded me of the mer- of a mermaid and, and a giant seahorse that we've heard stories about, uh, you know, throughout the, the maritime ventures of the New World. Uh, well, looking at Scotland and the sighting of Loch Ness and the other uh, shape-shifted versions... How many of these cases involved alcohol? Because <laughs> well, there's... No, I mean, as far as I know, yeah. none. But I mean, okay. the argument people often say to me, you know, if somebody sees a UFO, you know, well, have you been drinking? But my argument is, if you drink, if you even if you have been drinking alcohol, yeah. why would that why would that cause someone to see a seven foot tall hairy creature? Or why would it cause them to see a strange light in the sky? Why would it not just ha- cause them to fall over? You know, why why would they specifically see, you know, certain things just because they'd had a drink? That, sure. That's, you know, that's something that I think, you know, it, it's an important aspect. Just because you've seen alcohol, yeah, I mean, just because you've drunk, an alco- drunk alcohol, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean automatically because you drink a couple of shots of whiskey you're somehow going to see an eight-foot-tall, hairy... Oh, listen, I, I agree with you a couple you know of I mean? <laughs> shots. I, I agree with you a couple of shots. However, you know, remember the stories of people who've had too much to drink and they see pink elephants, and people who take hallucinogenics also have have um, have apparitions and hallucinations as well. well. Now, Nick, I'm not saying that's the case here. I'm not saying that's the case. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know, there's always going to be some cases of hallucination mm-hmm. or bad dreams and things like that. I think the important thing is to sort of separate the, you know, the cases sure. which are suspect from where you have very credible people with no axe to grind and a lot to lose, you know, by talking about things that they've seen. Um, you know, and then and focus on those cases because, I mean, it's like any aspect in life. Unfortunately, there's going to be fantasists and hoaxers. Sure. Um, and I think the important thing is to have the presence of mind to be able to sort of distill fakery and fantasy from reality. How about a Bigfoot connection? Has there been a Bigfoot connection when it comes to shape-shifting as well? Yeah, there actually has. Now, this is sort of one of the, the lesser-known aspects of shape-shifting. Now, you know, I, I guess next to things like the Chupacabra, the Yeti, and the Loch Ness Monster, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and Mothman, Bigfoot is without doubt, you know, one of the most famous of all strange creatures. And probably, you know, in the United States, it's the most famous unknown animal. Now, again, there are varying theories as to what the big feet or big foot, however you want to term them, actually are. Uh, some people believe they could be relic populations of uh, a genuine prehist- huge prehistoric ape that lived hundreds of thousands of years ago called Gigantopithecus. And interestingly enough, Gigantopithecus, which we do have bones for, right. um, that was actually... Um, lived in the area, sort of Tibet and China, where people talk about still seeing the Yeti to, to this day. Mm-hmm. So some people do think the Bigfoot could be uh, surviving pockets of Gigantopithecus, which would be like sort of a, 
just an unknown animal, uh, which isn't impossible. But other people have talked about um, seeing Bigfoot under very weird circumstances where they've said they've seen these creatures and they've suddenly vanished in the flash of a light. Um, or the person was looking at the creature and then it was almost as if the person was immobilized, which allowed the, the Bigfoot to escape the area. Um, but there's some really weird stories where people have seen these Bigfoot-type creatures, which are, in essence, they're, they're humanoid, you know, two legs, two arms, etc., and and walking on two legs. But there are a few stories where people have seen these creatures kind of shimmer, almost in like a heat haze, and they've dropped down onto all fours, and their limbs have literally sort of morphed. In, so, in other words, it's not just a case of like, you know, if me or you, you know, you stand on two legs and then you sort of drop down on four limbs and you try and run along. It's, it's really awkward to do that. But with these Bigfoot reports, it's not like that. It's as if their bodies sort of literally morph and change to allow them to go from walking like a human to literally running like a dog at high speed as if their limbs have, have literally changed. Now, there aren't, admittedly, there aren't many cases like that on record, but just the fact that there are sort of 15 or 20 of them is intriguing enough to realise that there is something weird going on. And I, and I think whatever the Bigfoot are, they're more than just an unknown North American ape. You know, I, I think they're more than just, you know, an equivalent of an African gorilla. There's something weirder going on which i think explains why we never catch these creatures it's almost as some people think you know they sort of they're sort of multi-dimensional you know they're only in our reality yeah. at certain times and they can take also like so many of these other things they can take on different forms Nick, stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour indexo nation if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour nick redford his website is nick redford Dot com. That's Nick Redfern for tn.blogspot.com. And Nick and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break with the no, no news, just the commercial break. Thanks, Craig. Uh, as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, the X Chronicles newspaper is now available online with our compliments at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. You can read it online, you can download it, you can share it. Please enjoy it. We've got some great stories in there from some super people. And once again, the website is xchroniclesnewspaper.com. And we're coming to you on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Find out about the other programming that we have available at www.xzbn.net. Watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. 
Razor of Madness expose novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. The concept of a new age has been around since the late 19th century, yet much of its original meaning has been lost. What exactly is the new age? Is it a religion? A collection of obscure esoteric practices? A series of doomsday predictions? Or an astrological event? The New Age Chronicles is a unique, complementary publication bringing reason and grounded information to separate fact from fiction. Chuck full of valuable information to support you as we make the monumental shift into the new era. You won't want to miss a single innovative issue. The New Age Chronicles newspaper is coming soon to www.newagechronicles.com. Nick Redfern is our guest. His website, as I've been saying throughout this hour, is nickredfern14.blogspot.com. All right, Nick, we've gone through shape-shifting throughout history. We've talked about the Mothman and shape-shifting. We've talked about the Loch Ness Monster and shape-shifting. We've talked about the Bigfoot connection. And once again, just when I think I've got all the ducks in the order, you throw out another goose into the cackle of ducks. Tell me about the men in black connection. Mm. Well, people, yes, most people about the the men in black and the first thing they think of is Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, you know, with the movies. Because the movies were sort of so popular all around the world and so iconic. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, this image that's portrayed in the movies of the men in black being government agents is actually uh, totally um, against the reality of the phenomenon that people have been reporting for decades. If you speak to most of the real witnesses, they talk about the men in black looking not actually completely human, where they look very pale, they sort of walk in sort of a jerky fashion, almost like like a zombie. Their skin is described as being extremely pale, sometimes like they've like literally like a sheet of paper and the skin sort of looks like plastic um they don't look fully human and they wear these wraparound sunglasses which people have said when they get close to them they can see their eyes are larger than normal which is clearly why they wear the glasses so you you know to try and prevent people seeing that they don't look entirely human now what's weird is kind of like with the Mothman, which is a humanoid figure, same way Bigfoot's a uh, humanoid figure. Mm-hmm. There are some really weird cases of people who said that they saw or they were threatened by the men in black, and they too uh, sort of shimmered, kind of like in a heat haze uh, in front of the witness, and sort of took on different forms, like sort of like the form of like a, a large black cat which again ties in with stories of shape-shifting yeah. in witchcraft and Native American lore of, you know, taking on more of an animalistic form. And, you know, these stories are, even I have to admit, you know, they're bizarre when you speak to someone who said they saw a man in black and it suddenly transformed into this large cat-like an- animal and bounded off. You know, either the person is crazy, hallucinating, or multiple people all around the world are describing something eerily similar. And and I think what happens is that these stories are so weird and so alternative that so many people do dismiss them, when I actually think we shouldn't dismiss them. Instead, we should sort of embrace the strange side of it and just try and figure out what is happening in these rogue cases which you know like the men in black how mm-hmm. do we explain this aspect of the phenomenon all right 
talked about the men in black. Now let's just keep on in the color scheme of things here. Let's talk about the black-eyed children. Well, again, the, 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 the black-eyed children phenomenon is kind of similar to the, uh, the men in black. You know, they knock on people's doors late at night, and people go to the door, mm-hmm. and it's almost as if they're mind-controlled by these creepy kids who, they're called the black-eyed children because their eyes are sort of totally black. And like the men in black, their skin is very pale, they wear these black hoodies, and they try and almost mind-control the people to invite them into the home. And this whole issue of the, of the black-eyed children having to be invited very much ties in with the old legends of vampires that, you know, in the old stories, the vampire can only cross the threshold when it's invited. A lot of people don't realize it in these um, black-eyed children cases. They never force their way into the house. They always ask to be invited in. We're lost. Can we come in and use the phone? We're homeless. Can we come in and have some food? But it's all about the person saying, you know, making the invite, so to speak. Um, But there are, again, a few rogue cases where people have seen these black-eyed children and they've suddenly, quite out of the blue, morphed into the form of what have become known as these sort of classic reptilian-type creatures, uh, which people like David Icke have written about, these sort of seven- to eight-foot-tall, bipedal, reptile-type creatures um, that, that are, like I said, in, in ufology, have become known as the reptilians. There are a number of cases where people have seen the black-eyed children turn into these reptilians and vice versa. Um, and both of these entities, if you like, uh, the black-eyed kids, the reptilians, have one thing in common, and this is that ability to sort of control people's minds. Now, of course, the big question is, are they literally shape-shifting, or is this mind control aspect allowing them to not so much change mm-hmm. their form, but our perception of how they look changes. So, you know, that's like an interesting concept. Is it act- with those, is it actually a shape-shifting or are we perceiving it as shape-shifting? But whatever the answer is, you know, it's still a valid part of the phenomenon. I think this is, you know, an interesting aspect where maybe we're not able to fully trust our own senses, our own, you know, sensory uh, aspects trust our own eyes that if we're if we're being sort of manipulated into seeing something different, maybe some of these shape shifting experiences are less than physical literal events, but something that is almost sort of um, like a hologram perhaps, or something in a dreamlike state where where we view it, but we think we're seeing the the transformation and. Um, so there's, there's quite a few weird stories like wow. that where these black-eyed children transform into these huge reptilian things. Nick, doing the research for your book, was there any one part of the research that just blew your mind? Um, well, I think more than anything else, I would have to say the, just the sheer fact that these stories are worldwide yeah. and they're eerily similar. And I think that's an important thing. If it was all just folklore, booze, you know, lies and misidentification, I think we would have just endless different types of stories. But we don't. It's it's always the same things over and over again. It's like the flying humanoids, the lake monsters, um, these creepy characters in sort of dark outfits like the black-eyed children, the men in black, the shadow people, um, or animals that seem to take on multiple forms like the coyote and the hare in in witchcraft lore, and also these sort of upright wolf-type animals that you can find throughout history, as I said earlier, like Anubis, you know, the Egyptian god, which is this sort of upright... Mm -hmm. Um, humanoid, but with a very much like a um, you know a wolf-like head, and uh, the very fact that these particular staples of shape-shifting can be found all around the world, and at times when you know there was no connection between a lot of these nations and cultures, that leads me to believe that um, it's it's a valid phenomenon. So that that for me is one of the most important things. It's uh, 
culturally, you know, it's a, it's a worldwide phenomenon. There's a lot of people reporting the same thing all over the world. What, what type yeah, exactly. of research is going into it, Nick? Sorry, say that again. What type of research is going into all the different stories that are being collected? Uh, because there are so many similarities, it's a global event. Are there any serious yeah. groups researching these uh, shapeshifters? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly today, I mean, the most uh, popular one, I think, is, is a sort of variation on the old uh, werewolf stories, mm -hmm. which today they're known as dogmen. And a friend of mine, Linda Godfrey, has done a lot of research into the dogmen, which are described as like a, a huge wolf-like animal, but which can rise up onto its back legs. And there's a lot of reports from Wisconsin and Michigan and Ohio. And certainly that is, without doubt, you know, at the forefront of this whole phenomenon right now, even though, you know, the other, the other ones are still around, there's no doubt that that one sort of becoming the, you know, at the forefront of shape-shifting research in the 21st century is, is without doubt the dogman phenomenon. So what's next for you, Nick? What are you up to? Any new books in the near future that we can look forward to? Yeah, I've actually got one coming out um, in September, and uh, it's called Paranormal Parasites. And it's all about supernatural entities which reportedly feed on us. We're talking oh. about things... Um, like, for example, uh, what are what what those, you know, sort of uh, psychic vampires? And in India and China, they have the concept of the hungry ghost, which manifests in people's bedrooms and sort of drain them of their life energy, their life force, their psychic energy. Uh, so it's, it's essentially a, sort of a, a dark and disturbing story of supernatural entities that, in essence, feed on us. As always, Nick, uh, love having you on the show. It's always great hearing these new and exciting points that you bring up. But it seems to me, Nick, that history repeats itself, that these true phenomena that we talk about here in the X-Zone are not current, but they're embedded in history. So thanks very much for all the great work you do, Nick. And let our listeners know how they can get your books as well as visit you online. Uh, well, my blog is nickredfern14.blogspot.com, um, nickredfernufo at Twitter, and all my books are available on uh, Amazon and, and most of them off the shelves in Barnes & Noble as well. Nick, take care of yourself. I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the X-Zone. All right. Thanks a lot, Rob. Take care, buddy. X-Zone Nation. Bye-bye, Nick. Bye -bye, Nick. Nick Redfern has been our guest this hour, www.nickredfern14.blogspot. Dot com. Now, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Check us out online at www.xzbn.net and the X-Zone Radio website, xzoneradiotv.com. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. 
We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.